Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. We're going to have a great show for you this week. Jeremy and Gretchen are going to be joining me shortly, as is Bill Snodgrass. We're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in video games. Also going to be looking at the Android and Apple operating systems and the difference between open and closed distribution. The news this week is brought to you by We Are Technology. We Are Technology is your one-stop shop for getting phone apps, online applications, website, anything high-end that you would need, they can do. Want to update your website? Want to update your phone app? Want to do something new for your business? Check out We Are Technology at wearetechnology.com. What's in the news? Microsoft to unveil next generation of Windows on June 24th. Yes, we've got an update uh, from Windows 10. Now, one question that comes to mind here, and this is a pretty good one. Microsoft does not have a terribly good history of updates sometimes. No, they don't. Yeah, but they (laughs) they also said they were never going to change the number ever again. Yep, yep. Well, that uh, doesn't mean much. I'm getting the name (laughs) of it Because... (laughs) Because the odd numbers were better than the even numbers. Yeah, until Windows 10, and that was absolutely true. That was because they skipped nine. They skipped yeah, nine. They skipped nine. So, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, as far as a numbering of whether this is going to be Windows 11 or not, and all of that will be announced on July 29th, and that's also when the date that this comes out is going to be. And um, so, as far as that goes, uh, live stream which I don't think we're going to have the name of yet, but maybe they'll do it. will be June 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to find out exactly what's going to be in there, that'll be a good time to do it. Seeing it in the pre-release, just in my opinion here, I don't think we're going to have the Windows 8 type problem. It looks to be pretty solid good. from everything going forward. So let's hope that nothing changes between now and then. Apple Developers Conference this week. Annual Apple Developers Conference. They're going to be talking about a lot of their new products. Looks like the new version of iOS is going to be in there. New iMacs coming out. Definitely going to see some of the new features of the M1 processor that they're using in a lot of the different equipment. One of the other things that looks like it's being talked about is the ability to kind of streamline everything a little bit better. So you've always had iCloud or have for a long time, but there's been some limitations on how your iPhone and your iMac and your iWhatever go together. I think we're probably going to see some more updates on the wearable end of it with the Apple Watch and some new features that have been talked about with that. So we'll definitely be covering it. It's going to be interesting to see what's coming out on that direction. I'm not an Apple user myself, but I do know in past years at this, some of the new features that are come up are quite exciting and do tend to set the standard for other smartphones like Android and that type of thing going forward. So going to be nice to see the conference. It's all available online. Go to apple.com for the details. Microsoft ends Windows 7 security updates. Yeah, so feel like we should insert a song segment here. Another one bites the dust, you know. Yeah, um, perhaps. Or maybe just a sad trombone. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Windows 7 was good. And uh, I am not surprised to be seeing the end of this just because it has been a long time now. But Windows 7 was the fix for a long period. And then when 8 came out, everybody wanted to stay on 7. Perhaps uh-huh. a lot of businesses should be paying attention to yes. this because we've had all these weird hacks and maybe they should like pay attention. You mean hacking's a fine? 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, as far as that goes. And the other side of it, too, keeping your software current is very important due to that and also checking the updates and things. But speaking of hacking and just throwing that in here, it's gotten to a point now, too, that you can do all of the right things and still have a problem with this. Just this last week, we heard about them being able to shut down one-fifth of the world's meat production with a ransomware attack. And this is going to become a bigger problem. Microsoft has had issues with their Exchange server, which is a business-grade mail system that a lot of companies use that they were able to get into. They are getting the fixes out for all these type of things. But it is definitely, if you have an operating system, especially now that the security updates and other updates are going to be dropped off, it is important to go ahead and move on and retire it. One thing that Microsoft is still doing on a business space here for users of Windows 7 that are commercial support agreements, that's still going to be happening for a little while longer, but it is end of life. I guess one of my questions that I just want to ask, you know, because I'm not dealt with companies like Microsoft and such, you know, as a programmer, like maybe you have, but do they not hire people that are just, you know, professional hackers to test the security of their systems? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I I feel like that's a weird thing, like, you know, these zero day exploits and such, you know? Well, that's when it doesn't get caught. Yeah. And one of the other things, too, when it comes to hacking is the good guys have eight to five. The bad guys have around the clock. And even though a company like Microsoft and many others have unlimited resources, really, but, you know, when it comes to this type of thing, there still is a huge disconnect on both ends of that when it comes down to this. But yes, there's definitely a lot of protocol for being able to test and get in and find out where the weak points are. And and hacking is one thing where it's not going to work as another. And kind of an example of that that makes sense here is Netflix. Netflix runs on Amazon Web Services, and they actually have a system built in to intentionally cause problems with the streaming servers, cut the bandwidth, screw things up, that kind of thing, so that they can see where their problems lie and then have a team that will deal with them. So across the board, that is a part of testing, security, performance, all that type of thing, to have people that can intentionally get in and that type of thing as a job and as a position. Okay. Stack Overflow has been sold. Yes, it has. For a lot of money. And uh-huh. To start with this, I think let's talk about what Stack Overflow is really quick. That might and be good. Stack Overflow is a system for being able to get help as a programmer, samples of code, lookups, if there's a bug somewhere, how someone else solved a problem, that type of thing. I use it all the time. Sold for $1.8 billion, with a B. Wow. So it's definitely worth some money out there. And it's actually a system that I can see having a value because it is something that is usable and it works well and it's easy and it's got a lot of information out there that's uh, right at the ready. So when you're dealing with something and have something weird happen, you can look and see if someone else has had that problem. And in most cases, they have. So then that way you can at least get on track to some kind of a solution. But yeah, billions of dollars. And I don't think when this was started, they ever thought it would go for that kind of money or even be worth anywhere near that. So more power to them. I think it's a good thing. And I I think it's a good site. It's something that's actually worth the money. Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger says semiconductor shortage could last for years. Yes, this is a big deal. (laughs) Not forever and ever, but definitely for a while to some extent. (laughs) So we've talked about it on here before. Semiconductor chip shortage is an issue that was brought on primarily by the pandemic. 
shined light on a few things, like that we only manufacture 12% of our microprocessors domestically in the United States. We should build more here. That, yep. that is a something that a lot of people are thinking about to the extent that the government <clears throat> is investing money in getting some of this stuff moved back over here. Because in addition to everything else, it's a huge uh, national security problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, to rely on third-party com- countries that may or may not be friendly to be able to get all of this stuff and have to deal with problems on that end when it gets here. But basically what's going on is in the beginning of the pandemic, everything kind of stopped for a little while. And things like cars stopped selling, so the people manufacturing the chips ramped down. And then when everything was on the stay-at-home order, people started ordering their laptops, computers, you know, different things like that. And they started manufacturing those chips specifically because that's where the market was. Well, the problem is now getting back to being able to deal with some of the other things like cars has been a problem. And there's a shortage just overall anyway, as an example of where that's coming from, Taiwan, which manufactures a lot of chips, is still dealing with vaccinations and um, is having what looks like it could easily be another COVID wave. And then they're having a drought and it uses an enormous amount of water to manufacture microprocessors. But the other side of it is, too, is they're not having consistent power because of the water shortage. So there's a lot of things where you do want to be able to have some control of this domestically, but it's going to take time to ramp that up, build the manufacturing, and get there. So I think this is something I do have to agree with Intel's CEO that is not going to be a short-term fix. All right, and go ahead and give us our last question eBay and PayPal finally break up for good. It's not a question. That's a news article. That's a Yeah, our news article. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> so this is not a shock or a surprise, but it's official this month. eBay and PayPal used to be together, and PayPal was spun off a couple of years ago. PayPal has been moving in other directions, including allowing you to buy cryptocurrency and other things like that through their interface. And eBay has changed. I noticed a couple of months ago that you no longer even pay your eBay fees if you're a seller through PayPal anymore. So that stuff is going in that direction. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Our next segment here, we're going to be talking about something that's been in the news. It's listener questions specifically that came in on this. And where this comes from was the lawsuit with Apple and Epic Games and being able to distribute through the Apple market and all that kind of stuff. And the question has to do, what is the difference between open and closed software distribution systems? And is one better than the other? And 10,000-foot view answer to this, just to discuss what it is, is an open software distribution system basically means that anybody can write software for a given platform. Uh, Windows is like this. If I want to go out and write a Windows app or a Windows piece of software, I can do that. I can sell it on my website. As long as it meets specific standards and all that type of thing to work, it'll run on the operating system. Kind of a middle area of this would be the Android phone. There's the Android Marketplace Store. And anybody can write an app to put on Play Store, but it has to be reviewed and approved, and they take 30% of what's being sold. But Android still has a function, if you really want to go in there, that you can do what's called side-loading, and you can take an application and load it on your own. And 
To take that a step further, some of the big boys like Amazon and Samsung have their own markets for the Android platform, so it gives an alternative to be able to get software from those means. A closed distribution model would be what Apple uses. And their software set up that short of hacking your phone, jailbreaking the phone, you're not going to be able to install something that Apple hasn't approved to be able to work on that device. And this is where this lawsuit came from, because now you have to give them the 30% commission off the top of anything that's sold within the app and that type of thing. And while Epic, can, I would think, almost certainly can afford it, the arguments made that a lot of the smaller studios, 30% is a big deal. And it is for small business. 30% is big for anybody. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And so, and every, so that means every dollar you spend, 30 cents goes to these markets. And it isn't just limited to Apple. Steam, which sells games online, which we all use for a lot of things, they have the same kind of thing where it will charge the distributor 30%. And that's how they make their money. Now, the question of which one is better is not one that really has a short answer. And there are arguments for or against both of these methodologies. Now, on a closed platform like you have with Apple, the argument against it would certainly be access. You don't have the right to run your own software. Apple tells you what you can and can't do on the device that you bought based on what they approve. And as a developer, I also know that that approval process is somewhat subjective, to say the least. Yeah. You know, Hmm. we've been through some different things, and it really is up to Apple as a private company, you know, traded, but still a private company, to decide, well, if we don't like this because it might compete with something we're doing, we're not going to let you have access to our platform and therefore all of the people that use it. Argument for this is you also have a lot less potential for things like malware and other things that are designed to steal information because all of it has been approved, theoretically, by someone at Apple Computer to be able to be out there. So at least being able to make some kind of an assumption that it's safe would be a better thing here. So that's, you know, the argument from that standpoint. Open. Of course, best thing there is is that it's anybody can distribute, and you can sell your own software. And if you want to use Play Store in the case of Android, it's a great marketing situation. And in my opinion, it's worth the thirty percent because on any kind of a project I've done, it would have cost that much to market it anyway. But it's pretty much the opposite that your app will be approved <clears throat> unless someone complains about it or there's some kind of a problem comes up, then they'll take it off. So it's kind of the reverse. But of course, with that kind of a distribution system, it's a lot easier to be able to get malware and other viruses and other things that you would not want into the distribution system. I don't know. Bill, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what do you have a preference between Apple and Android and why? I like Android better, but that's because the interfaces in the system is more accessible. Hmm. And as a computer tech, and someone who customizes a lot of their stuff, like, you know, once it's set certain ways, that is what I need to be able to do that. Because I can set, you know, everything really easily. I had an iPhone for work once. Was one, It had some features that I think were okay, but they were so different from what I was used to, to access things, that it was kind of weird. But on the other hand, I couldn't do anything with the phone. There was so much work and so many things I had to go through just to change, like, 
this one setting or this one thing. It was just, I, I, I gave up because it was just such a hassle. Yeah. And that is definitely some of the feedback I've heard is that there's a barrier to entry on being able to figure out how to go through some kind of a process. Now, I've experienced that with the Mac and with Windows too, but usually it's a little easier to figure it out. And again, if they don't want you to do it, you're just simply not going to be able to. Now, Jeremy and Gretchen, I know you both use Android phones. I think you have a Pixel 3, yep. which is a yep. direct model from Google. So it's designed to run Android natively, of course. And I had one for a while myself and really liked it. What is your feeling on this? I really enjoy the Android system. Uh, the only thing I miss is the differentiation of, of settings between phones. Like one model of phone has uh, a certain number of sound settings where you can turn off the ringtone but leave your notifications on. So like, you know, that that was nice, but I don't have that in the new Pixel. Oh, really? But um, no, it's, it's notifications and phone call volume are the same. I wonder if that's just uh, like with Android itself, because my Motorola does that too now. Well, that, that's interesting well, because my Samsung uh, Note has four volume control. I'll look afterwards and see if it's split in that way. But anyway, Gretchen, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that the, the phone that used to do that was a Samsung. Okay, so maybe, you know, and see, the other thing of it is, is Android can be customized yeah. by the manufacturer. So it's right. very possible, Bill, that what you're seeing is correct that the stock version of Android does it this way and that maybe Samsung has changed it or something. I'll get an answer to that for everybody. It's a good question, and and we'll, we'll send it out there. But um, I, I don't know. From that direction, is it worth the risk to have it open? From my opinion, I prefer the open distribution system, but you have to know what you're doing, and it's a very good idea to have antivirus and anti-malware stuff set up for that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. And we have an extended Q&A later in the show. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Glad to have you here. Want your questions, want your comments, send them to us. That's how we get our content, and we love to look out and see what's out there. I've gotten some very unique things. Send it 503-766-6264 on the phone, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, or userfriendlynation.com. Joining us, in addition to Jeremy and Gretchen, Bill Snodgrass. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello. So what is going on? You and I haven't had a talk about this for a while. In the world of video games, I'm hearing that there has been not a lot to write home about yeah it's there's been a lot because it's been a very good year due to the pandemic uh for video game companies because as people went inside they started playing more video games in fact uh there's a lot of suggestion that here as we bridge into summer break for schools you know there's going to be some increase in you know the the stocks for these companies too um so it's been a very good year, but it's also been a really weird year for video game companies. Um, a lot of turmoil and stuff. But, you know, uh, as we're going to talk about in the news later, you know, there, there's a game console coming out that either just got completely overshadowed by everything else going on. And, you know, the, it's just been kind of chaotic as far as video games go. Because right. there's a lot of companies that are having troubles, companies that certain problems that have been in, inherent in them from the top, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Blizzard, stuff like that have become like way more apparent. 
where the company is the, the the parent companies and such are so detached from the company itself that it's like, are you really making games for anybody anymore? Yeah, it's, yeah, I haven't heard much about Blizzard in a long while. You know, yeah, Blizzard's Blizz- a good example. As a as a uh, World of Warcraft player myself, and I haven't been on in a long time, and it's like it's getting weird. It still is out there. It still works, but there haven't even been any real updates lately. Yeah, and then like on the other hand, you have some companies that their games, uh, I guess MiHoYo uh, with their free to play games, which you know I'm not big on free to play because there's a lot of microtransactions. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of games out there that are free to play that I don't mind saying are decent, like Genshin Impact or uh, uh, Digital Extremes uh, Warframe. Warframe's kind of had a really rough year itself as far as free-to-play. They just have not had very much update and content. I mean, there has been, but it's just been so bad. And uh, they recently, their parent company got bought out by uh, the big one in China that does, I think it's King or one of those. Right, right. Yeah, and You know, and speaking of free-to-play and microtransactions, this has been another thing that's been a complaint, and I've noticed it myself, is the more and more forced advertising I don't know, Bill. What do you think of uh, YouTube lately? Oh my god! I so <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I use an ad blocker on my computer, yeah. because I hate ads and yeah. I hate having tracking. But my phone, on the other hand, it used to have two different ways. If I was on Wi-Fi, I would get a bunch of I would get ads. If I was on my own plan data, I would get like a couple. Like mm-hmm. it could tell. I don't know why it could. But lately, like I've been running it on planned data because I've just been out and about and around all the time and, you know, having to wait and things. So watching shows, you know, and they change their their uh, uh, terms of service for everything. So YouTube itself now will monetize things if it chooses to, even if you specifically state do not monetize. Right. So they're going to put ads on stuff if you say don't put ads on it, even if you don't, you know, that's not your thing. So I, I've just... Lately, it has been so obnoxious to the point where I have almost stopped watching certain videos because I remember watching like a 10 minute video and there were three ad breaks in a 10 yeah. minute video. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. And, and the, then the, the viewer loses concentration. You can't follow stuff when you're constantly being interrupted. And, you know, this is actually another big deal on, a, on television when you have an ad, it breaks. What it's doing on YouTube, it just randomly inserts it. So you might be right in the middle of a thought or something that's coming up, and it just literally stops. Yeah, runs the ad, and then it picks up where it left off. And yeah, it does. See, I, I've noticed this too, where it's it's kind of uh, to a point of not just being an inconvenience because there's an ad, but more being where it actually ruins the content. Exactly, that you're and the to view. experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was watching a documentary part on something, and it was like mid sentence, and it was a weird translation. I'm suddenly like. Okay, why is why did they change narrators? And it was now discover you know new uh, Visa card that come, powered by crypto, and it's just like mm. yeah, <laughs> a, a Visa card nope. powered by crypto. That's a whole other topic which <laughs> yeah. we will get to later because we are out of time. But let us know what you think about the ads. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. And yes, we've been doing an extended Q&A the last couple of weeks because 
we've been getting some great questions. So keep them coming. The way you do that is give us a call, 503-766-6264. Social media, Facebook and Twitter, one user-friendly on both. Or go to our website, userfriendlynation.com. What questions do we have this week? What is the new Netflix play something button for? Yeah, I noticed this on there too. And the (laughs) short answer to this is basically, if you click on it, it will give you a basically random show to watch. Idea being that if uh, you just want to sit down and watch television and don't really want to think about it, it kind of works well for that. It's the kind of like the I'm feeling lucky button under the Google search, same principle. <laughs> that it just brings something up. And it seems like people are liking this. And I kind of get it. So it's usually under your account when you log on. At least that's where I'm seeing mine. I think it also is in the actual interface, but I haven't tracked that down yet. What ended up happening with Amazon and MGM? Yeah, big news in the entertainment industry here. And this goes along with some of the other stuff that's been going on. Amazon bought MGM. Now, this does not include the resorts in Las Vegas, the the actual properties. It's just the franchise rights for their library. The idea being that now Amazon can offer everything that MGM has made is making that kind of thing as a part of their offerings on Amazon Prime Video. So basically, the idea here is to build up the subscription model and be able to compete with things like Netflix and Disney Plus and all that. And we've talked about this also in the past, but they're not the only one. We have Warner Brothers and Discovery as a spinoff from AT&T. The new name of that's going to be Warner Brothers Discovery, so real original there, but it kind of does (laughs) cover it. So again, streaming wars are heating up. There's going to be kind of less, but they're putting them more together. And this is all about now the content that's provided. So they want to be able to have a lot more than have it exclusive, where you have to buy that streaming service to be able to watch whatever franchise or show or movie it is that you want to watch. And you know, some of those old movies are actually worth watching. Oh, yeah. No no question about that. I think some of those old movies are worth watching more than some of the new movies. (laughs) Is Elon Musk opening a restaurant? Yeah, kind of a interesting question here. I talked to the listener when she called. And, mm. you know, my first thing is, is well, Elon Musk is, of course, known for Tesla and, and the boring company and even making flamethrowers, but a restaurant. SpaceX. <laughs> yeah, SpaceX. Yeah, that's another yeah. little one that we've mm. heard about, you know. <laughs> but So is this going to be robots or what? Um, not a lot of detail on that front, but what I did find out is they have, Elon Musk has registered a trademark using the name Tesla for the service industry, so for a restaurant. And digging a little bit more on that, this has actually been talked about, albeit somewhat quietly, in Los Angeles. They did pull permits to build what will be one of the world's largest charging stations. And what <laughs> he evidently wants to do and has talked about doing is make making it a old school drive-in restaurant. Uh-huh. I knew it was going to go that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes yeah. sense. So kind of an interesting idea, you know, of a Tesla burger. I don't know if that's where it's going or not, but it is definitely this, you know, come in, charge your car. And while you're charging your car, you can order lunch. So well, I don't think have, it's a bad idea. I mean, they have work. Westinghouse fries and, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And you, you really, if you wanted to be creative, you could really go, an interesting Nuts. direction with that, you know? Yeah. 
So I mean, the only way he could compete with some of those people in LA is, you know, because I mean, what is it? Danny Trejo has his place down there. Yep. Oh yeah. And, and that that man has some tacos. I I, I wish I could eat there. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they have a lot of good restaurants down in the Los Angeles area. You are never going to run out, really, and really good chefs and all different kinds of things. So there would be a lot of competition. And I think part of what this is is just having a unique twist on it. You're going to go charge your car, so get lunch at the same time. And I can see that working, you know? It, it's practical. Yeah. Is Philips Hue ever going to fix their app? Good question. And I will have to make a little confession. That question came from me. Oh. Uh-oh. Now, I use Philips Hue. I like it. I think they have a good product. But the app is very old uh, in the sense of how it works. They've continued to do updates in the sense of keeping it where it works and security and all that type of thing. But the way that you use it would have been current three years ago. And the other part of it is, is their product offers so much more than what this non-intuitive interface that you have to use to control most of it is capable of doing. So things like the Hue Sync, which will sync the lighting up to what's on your television, all of these things are really cool products. But you have to have a separate app to make it work. You can't tie them together. So I actually sent an email off, which is where I got the question from, to Phillips, just asking if I was maybe missing something or if there's something else <clears throat> going on here or what the deal is. And it turns out they are building a new modern ground-up app that's going to be able to control everything. And from what I'm seeing on it, looks like it's going to fix a lot of these problems. So more power to them. I went ahead and signed up as a beta tester. So as soon as I get to have a look at it, I'll let everybody know how it works and kind of the direction they're going with it. But yes, Philips is going to at least remake and hopefully fix their app. That's good to hear because like Razer and MSI and Asus and Thermaltake and all of those, like just on my computer, all interface together. Yeah, yeah. And that was the big thing. And to have a situation where the same product from the same company doesn't talk to the same software is, uh, is really weird. And it's a barrier to entry because it makes it so much more difficult to use. Is Atari still releasing a new gaming console? Yes, they are, I think. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe kind of, sort of? This has been talked about since 2017. Oh, wow. And uh, it was delayed That's a couple a of times time. for you know, their things. And then it was delay delayed because of COVID. And then it was delayed because of the chip shortage. Supposedly, it is going to finally be released on June 15th. Now, Bill, you're our gaming person. What, the Atari console, I mean, what is it? What do you think of it? Are you getting one? I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was completely forgotten about because <laughs> I, I have completely forgotten about it. Um, if I understand they're trying to compete or because they brought out that other one that was like all of the old stuff. Right. The classic one. Yeah. But they're trying to bring out something to compete with Xbox, Nintendo and Sony right now. And I mean, Atari might. They pulled it off in the past, but... Uh, Atari's business model in the past kind of also put them where they are now, where they're mostly just a game development company. So I don't know. And I mean, that's the problem. Like, I don't know because it hasn't been important enough that I've been seeing anybody talking about it. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, too. From a nostalgia standpoint, it's cool. And it does look a little bit like the old Atari from the early 1980s, that kind of an idea. And, you know, the reality is it would work. It's basically a Linux thing that goes on your television. They're saying it's going to come out with over a dozen titles plus a hundred of the original Atari 2600 games. 
Cool. And they're also talking about doing their own version of a Bitcoin for their casino game. So we'll see where that goes. So we'll keep you up to date on it. And if we actually get one, let you know. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week, guys. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to talk about our upcoming events here because that's what we used to, and I'm glad to be able to in this segment again. It looks like things really are reopening. Mm-hmm. And uh, down in Nevada, I know it was interesting just coming back from there to uh, be able to walk into a store or a restaurant and the, you know, tables are open and all that kind of stuff. So it's, Kind of nice to be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. I'm sure glad it is not a year ago. Yeah, you yeah. told me that you said you felt like you were doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah. there was this strange, well. yeah, kind of strange feeling. It's like I'm a, you know, did I forget something? Oh, my face is naked. Yeah, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and the thing of it is, is with all of that, I, I think it did help, help, you know, people not getting sick. And this has really been an interesting year. And, Honestly, I may mask up again during the flu season because I've kind of not missed that either. But um, for right now, it is kind of nice just to just to get back to that point. But we're still seeing a lot of great things on television being dropped. And as we're being able to get outside a little more, I think it's still kind of fun to talk about it. And the one thing that we all got to see was the drop. And we kind of binge watched it over a couple of days. Uh-huh. Uh, the mm-hmm. last part of season five of Lucifer on Netflix. Yep. Yeah. And uh, as they say, you know, he's the devil. Don't hold that against him. He helps solve murders, and he also runs one hell of a nightclub, and he does. And yeah. and now he does musicals. Yes, he did. that was <laughs> one of the things. We're not going to give this away to everybody, but it gets great. Now, Tom Ellis, who's the actor that plays Lucifer, is very talented and, and is somebody that uh, can do all of these things and does sing and does play the piano. He's, and he's actually almost like classic Hollywood. In yeah. the old days, you had to sing, dance, and act. You had to do everything. Yep. And, and just, I think he could probably do all of them. And he can pull it off. And some of the other people in his cast that are great, uh, some can and some can't, and some may be lip syncing here in the future. But the bottom line <laughs> of it is, is just uh, he really did a nice job. And uh, loose, uh, not to give away again the details of it, and it's worth watching, but the quick overview is his dad's shown up, and uh, dad is, uh, and him don't get along, which we already knew. And, yeah, uh, <clears throat> ever so slightly. Dad's retiring, so there's all kinds of drama that goes along with that. Yes. yes. And uh, in my opinion, I think they pulled the season off. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What do you there guys were think? Some- there were some really fun, unexpected twists and turns. Yep. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And if you if you if you enjoyed any part of any of the other seasons, you will enjoy this. Definitely does leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger at the end. There is going to well, be that's a, the whole that's the whole point. Absolutely, it's a season absolutely. finale. Yeah. So and there is definitely now going to be a season six or season six six six. Oh my, as they uh, call it. There's also uh-huh. some rumor about a movie. So we'll see what actually how happens and comes out of it. But I definitely think it was worthwhile. Definitely for the adults on this one, you know, but it is what it is. All right, this is User Friendly 2.0. And until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge.
User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.